Church, amen. My soul says yes. Father, we thank you for the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And we come, Lord God, to thank you on this Lord's Day because it is through you, by you, that we live, move, and have our being. You woke us up early this morning. You watched over our children, our grandchildren. Lord God, you were faithful in making sure that all needs were met. So God, even now, hide the preacher behind the cross and crucify him afresh, convict, convince, if need be, convert. Give us counsel in Jesus' name, amen. Church, say amen. Church, say amen again. I want to thank the Lord for our children's choir and thank the Lord for our men's choir and John, thank you for such a beautiful, beautiful song. My soul says yes. And truly, that's our victory, to say yes to Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless his name. We greet you in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ, who co-labors in the pulpit, and to all of our officers, members, friends, we are ecstatic about what the Lord continues to do, what the Lord has done, what the Lord is doing, and what the Lord will do. He's faithful. This morning, I'm going to be dealing with the subject of perception. Every year, at the beginning of the year, I have almost an identical line of sermons that I am faithful to preaching so that God's people can get their thinking in order for the new year. Amen? You cannot put old wine in new wine skins. So we are going to be looking at four case scenarios in the Word that <clears throat> display for us negative perceptions and positive perceptions. And the name of this sermon is What You See is What You Get. <laughs> what you see is what you get. I want to begin by throwing a scripture out that is directly connected to my subject. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. When you think in your heart, it means much more than a blood pumping device. It's an internal reasoning of sorts. In Proverbs 4, don't turn, the issues, out of, the issues of life are out of the heart. Out of the heart flows the issues of life. God tries the heart, God knows the heart, God seeks the heart. And when we begin to look at this matter of the heart, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. This heart matter is one of our biggest problems in living a victorious life. Because when the heart is darkened, we are defeated. When the heart has not been transformed, amen, we are defiled. So one of the things that we're going to be looking at in this matter of perception, and, and, I, and I need to say this, and I said it this morning, all of my perceptions when it comes to my problems, my pain, and uh, my processes are not right. So I too want to grow so that God will impact how I see things. Are y'all getting this? How I see things. And I, I, I can say this to you, every person under the sound of my voice Amen has a defective perception of something. 
and God wants to change it. One's perspective is basically how we tend to see things. Either the glass is half full, which is a positive perception, or the glass is half empty, which is a negative perception. And when we begin to look at this matter of perception and perspective, our perspectives has to do with how we reason. Now, during our, our, our relationship conference, the first two subjects we're going to be dealing with is our reasoning and our ruptures. And I can tell you right now, 98% of the problems that we fall into with relationships, either to our mates or kids, our co-workers, have something to do with our reasoning and our ruptures. 98% of it. So you can't blame your stuff on the other person. It goes through your internal lens. And based on your history, your hurts, and things like that, we tend to think that there's nothing wrong with us. And that's what puts us in denial. Too many of us are in denial. We think there's nothing wrong with us. It's always the other person. Can I get a witness? The problem with that is after your 20th person, you'll start realizing that there was something in you that was wrong. Can I get a witness? And don't get quiet now. And, 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 and the thing is that um, how we reason, how we are receptive to our circumstances, how we receive criticism is another area as well as how we review our crisis. All of these things go through these internal lens of our perspectives. And when we begin to look at perspective, let me say this, a victim's perspective or a victim's view is always a personalization of the negative. A victim is negative. They promote their fears, they pronounce their frictions, they participate in their fractures. However, those who are victorious, a victorious view or perception is one of faith, fruit-bearing, and realizing a fulfillment as they believe that a sovereign God will guide all outcomes. Amen. And that the end of what we expect is in his hand. Do I have a witness? And, 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 and so negatively, our history, our hurts, our letdowns, our low self-esteem, amen, all of the things that are in our lives already have caused us to have wrong reasoning and rationales when it comes to people, problems, and amen, uh, positive thinking. Almost all, all the time. Now, I've been to marriage counseling numerous times. I've been to counseling. I'm speaking on experience. And one of, the, one of the things that the counselor kept doing to me was to get me out of my past. Right. Kept trying to get me out of the way I used to think before I got saved. Are y'all getting this? how I reasoned, how I interpreted things. Had nothing to do with my mate, had nothing to do, it was me. That I could not be in denial, amen, amen. that something was wrong with me. And I believe when you're in denial, the Lord Jesus will not help you. I believe the Lord Jesus will sit back and wait for you and I to come to the realization, amen, that it's me that needs help. Can I get away? You can pray all you want. You can pray till your lips fall off. The fact of the matter is, God is dealing with the heart. And as long as you keep holding somebody else hostage, I'm preaching already, and responsible, here's why I'm not happy, because of them. Lord have mercy. Here, here's why 
Here's why, amen, I'm not smiling because of him. As long as we do that, we receive no help from heaven. God, God is waiting for us to humble ourselves and fall under the mighty hand of God. He's waiting for us to be loose enough and righteous enough to forget about everybody else and say, Lord, listen, here am I, here am I, save me. Can I get a witness? So, so, so one of the things we're going to do is we're going to di dive into this area of perceptions. And I can tell you now that uh, I am flabbergasted of how many people that are constantly in trouble will refuse to put themselves anywhere in that self-conference that they are the problem. Well, as an exercise, just turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you are the problem. Let's, let's, let's just begin there. Let's just begin there so we can't, yeah, let's just begin there. Let's just begin there. Let's, let's just begin there. Amen. Just, just begin there. Praise the Lord. And I think that uh, it, we, we will all be helped. My God. I want to look at four cases of bad and good perception. I was saying this morning, let me throw this out. Years ago, I took my wife to Puerto Rico. We had a, just the two of us, no kids, just two of us. Went to this beautiful place, tennis court, swimming pool, everything. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And um, part of the package was you could get a massage with the package. So my wife said, why don't you just go and get the massage? I'm going to look at some jewelry, you know, in, into the town. I said, all right, you know. So here I am. I'm in Puerto Rico, so I'm, 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 I'm thinking that this <clears throat> beautiful Latino will show up <laughs> and, and, and knock on the door and come in and, and tell me to lay down and so they can start massaging me. So when I seen on the package, I said, oh, I'm going for this stop. And I'm in the apartment and uh, we had a little apartment there and the doorbell rang. Somebody rang on the ding, ding, ding. I said, there she goes. So I, And I opened the door, and there's this woman, about four foot two, 72-year-old Chinese woman. And she had a cot on her back. She said, are you Raymond Gordon? I said, no, oh, this ain't working. <laughs> I told him this morning, if Jesus was standing there, I couldn't have got excited. And she started. So my wife came back and said, how was the massage? I looked at her. Perception. Doesn't God know how to deliver us out of temptation? Leave that one alone. Now, the reason I told that because somewhere in down the line. Your perceptions are interwoven with your expectations. And I believe the reason we can't be happy is because we have loaded up God with worldly expectations. And we are expecting God to meet us where we are. Not for God to take us where he is, but we want God to meet us where we are, where self is on the throne and God is dethroned. Let me look at these four case scenarios. Turn to Genesis chapter 12, and I've been here before. I want to deal with this, synopsizing these stories. God's patriarch of fear perceives God's direction. God's patriarch, the word patriarch simply means fathers of the faith. 
Job was the father of faith. He was a patriarch. Abraham was a patriarch, so forth, so on. And, and God's patriarch of fear perceives God's direction. Now, in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord has said unto Abram, Get thee out of this country, thy country, thy country, that is the Ur of the Chaldees, a worldly, God-forsaken place, and from your kindred, and from your father's house. By the way, Abraham only obeyed one-third of that instruction. Amen. Don't miss that. He took his father, Terah, with him. He took Lot, his nephew, with him. He only obeyed one-third of the commandment. And I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thee a great name, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I'll explain that momentarily because Abraham is the father of Christians, Jews, and Muslims. Three groups. I'll explain in a moment. Christians through Christ, Jews through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Muslims through Ishmael. In the Quran, Abraham is mentioned as the father of the faith. Jesus is mentioned in the Quran as a great teacher. Jesus is God in the Bible. So when we begin to survey this matter of the call of Abram, Abram, like us, was faced with two problems. One, and I, I don't have time, two things decided his fellowship with God, and they, those three things are in verse 7 and 8. He built an altar, he pitched the tent, and he called upon the name of the Lord. If you want to know whether Abraham was in fellowship, look for those three things. He pitched the tent, he built an altar, and he called upon the name of the Lord. When you don't see those three things, he's not in fellowship with God. So one of the things that we see about the per, the, these perceptions of Abraham is that Abraham was really a man of fear before he became a man of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, the hall of fame of faith, only do never go to Hebrews chapter 11 to learn everything about a person because it only tells you the positive of a person. You'll never see anything negative in Hebrews chapter 11. Never. Because it's not designed to show you the negativity. It's designed to show you the positive. Are you getting this? What does it say in Hebrews 11? Don't turn. And Abraham by faith was going, not knowing where he was going. You know, that takes faith. To go, not knowing where you're going. God told him to get up and go. God didn't say go west. God didn't say go south. He, he was going, not knowing where he was going. And the second thing it says, and Abraham believed God, and it was reckoned to him for righteousness. Two great things Abraham did. My God. But what Hebrews 11 does not tell you, Genesis does. As he's going towards Canaan, the promised land, a famine, chapter 13, comes up. And his fears took over. And caused him to change God's direction to his direction. When we become fearful, we start speaking on behalf of God, but God never spoke. So he went down into Egypt, disguised, told Sarah, his wife, who was the probably, Josephus, Jewish historian, tells us, Sarah was probably the best looking, the finest woman in all the Bible. So he got scared, fear, said, look, when we get down there and Pharaoh comes up and says, who is she? You're my sister. He begins lying. You, you can always tell when you're in the will of God. 
The minute you start lying, trying, crying, can I get a witness? You out of the scope of God. And one thing always leads to another. I got to tell one lie, then I got to tell another lie to cover up the first lie. Do I have a witness? Keep lying. The fact of the matter is, is that he got down into Egypt. He had Lot with him. He was supposed to have Lot. He had Terah with him. He wasn't supposed to have Terah. He got rich, and the riches that he got in Egypt came back to haunt him because the herdsmen of Lot and his herdsmen couldn't get along. And that's what made Lot go to Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham. Abraham said, well, you choose this way, I'll go. Uh, you choose this way, I'll go. And, and the Bible says Abraham, Lot looked up and he saw the waters, uh, he, he saw the well-watered property of Sodom and Gomorrah. He chose Sodom and Gomorrah, but he was following his uncle. Let me stop pausing part. Do you not know in your carnality and sin, you're affecting somebody else you love? Somebody else is watching you, and they're going to fall into ruin. His fears in chapter 13, but his future in chapter 16. I don't know if you've ever become messed up about your future when God's not moving fast enough. Can I get a witness? Chapter 16, Abraham is 87 years old, and God says, okay, you're going to have a child. And then God took another 14 years to send it. He was 99, and there was no Viagra. Sarah's womb was dead. Can I get a witness? So in those 14 years, Sarah had a plan to help God out. How many times we try to help God out? Going to my young handmaid, 19 years old, and have a child so you can have some prosperity. And I don't hear Abraham saying, let me pray about it. <laughs> you know, we pray about what we want to pray about. <laughs> And the baby that they had was Ishmael. And there's all the hell in the Middle East is because of Abraham's sin. Because there's an allegory in Galatians 4. One is a son of the flesh, Ishmael. The other is a son of the promise, Isaac. And they've been battling each other ever since. Very, very interesting that when it came to his future, he fell prey through the wrong perception to have a baby. Yes, he's the father of faith. Yes, he struggled with fears. Yes, he failed. God is faithful, isn't he? And even in spite of our failings, our faithful God comes along. And he still moves. I need to do a sermon in spite of us. Because I know some of y'all think everything's connected to your good character and your high holy calling. But in spite of us. God woke us up this morning in spite of us. God started us on our way in spite of us. God saved our soul in spite of us. The Lord is God. And his mercy endureth forever in spite of us. That's why we can't take credit for anything. By the grace of God. Can I get a witness? It's grace that you're here this morning. It's, it's grace that you're clothed in your right mind. It's grace that, amen, your children are alive this morning. It's grace. Love we don't deserve. God, God is so good. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good.
God's patriarch of fear perceives God's direction. Hmm. Let me move to my second case study. Turn to Numbers 13 to your right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Numbers, Arithmoi in the Greek lexicon. So, I mean, uh, yeah, the, the, the Septuagint, Arithmoi, the second giving of the, uh, it's, it's the numbering, the census. In Numbers chapter 13, here's what we have before us. Amen. Are you with me? It's not God's patriarch, it's God's patrol of a fact-finding committee <laughs> perceives defeat. Now, 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 it's amazing to me how the same people can view the same thing, how different people can view the same thing and come away with a whole different perception. Isn't that something? It, that's amazing. And, and, it's, and it's here in this context, yeah, that as we begin to see this fall, this fallacy of perception, amen. And I want to, I want to, this infamous story of the spies that were sent out. Verse 13, chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, it says, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Send thou men, that they may search the land of Canaan, which I give unto the children of Israel, every tribe of their fathers shall ye send a man, twelve tribes, twelve men, every one a ruler among them. And Moses, by the commandment of the Lord, sent them from the wilderness of Paran, all those men who were heads of the children of Israel, and then he begins to name one from each tribe. Now stop. You belong to a church where we do hermeneutical exegesis. We compare scripture with scripture. If I just looked at this one scripture, I would come away saying, God told them to, amen, search out the land. But he didn't. God didn't tell him to do this. God only, listen to this, listen to pastor now. God only agreed with them after they demanded their own way. Watch what you pray for. It might come back to haunt you. I'm pausing purposely. Turn to your right to Deuteronomy chapter 1. I'm going to show you why God didn't tell them to send a spy out. Deuteronomy chapter 1. Are you with me? Verse 22 and 23. When you get it, say amen. amen. And you came near unto me, every one of you, and said, we will send men before us, and they shall search out the land. And bring us word again by way, by what way we must go up and into what cities we shall come. And the saying, the, the saying please me well. And I took 12 men of you of the tribe. Here's what happened. They needed proof. They needed, yeah. They needed God to show them something before they would move. They needed a fleece. A fleece is not faith. A fleece is insulting God. Lord, show me something. If you want me to marry this woman, show me something. He done showed you all the hell that's in her. You won't, you, you won't believe that. Lord, 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 show me something. Show me something about this man. The man ain't got a job. Why are you marrying him? Show me something. He done talked to three, three women in the church. Show, show me something. No, you're blind as a bat with sunglasses on. 
Can I get a witness? God ain't going to show you nothing. Listen. And we got to watch what we pray for. God might just give it to you. <laughs> all of our perceptions, all of our reasonings come out of our fears, our hurts, our history, our hidden ruptures. It all comes from there. Reasoning. Reasonings. So in chapter 13, 1 and 2, we have God's directive. We read that. His design, 17 to 20. Come on, real quick. And the Lord sent them to spy the land of Canaan and said unto them, Get you up this way southward, go up into the mountain, see the land, verse 18, and what it is, the people that dwelleth in it, whether they be strong, weak, few, many, what the land, 19, is that they dwell in whether it be good or bad, the cities, amen, are strong or weak, strongholds, and what the land is. And all the way up to verse 20, God is giving them instructions about what to look for since they want to go into the land. And then 27 to 29 is the depression. Now look at this. And they told him and said, we came into the land. Now they're, now they're back. They're back under Moses. They, they did their little reconnaissance. We, we came where you told us to go. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, meaning it's very nutritious, very, amen, agriculturally sound. This is the fruit of it. Nevertheless, nevertheless, here's our report. Nevertheless, the people be strong that dwell in the city, and the cities are walled and very great. And moreover, we saw the children of Anak there. These are giants. Are you with me? Now, please don't miss this because let me give you the conclusion of what they saw by way of perception. Verse 32, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land, though we have gone to search it, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people we saw in it of our great stature, stature. And there we saw the giants, the son of Anak, which come of the giants, and we were in our own sight perception as grasshoppers, as we were in their sight. Boy, I could preach on this all day. Others see you the way you see yourself. You know, they got all these self-help courses and reinventing ourselves, which the church shouldn't be preaching. If you don't have confidence in yourself, no one else is going to have confidence in you. Are y'all getting this? When you hire a person, one of the lines I think an employer should ask the person, let's say you got four people going off for one position. You should, somewhere at the end of the interview ought to be, and you, and you know, we, we, we've, been through the, uh, we've been through the interview process. Look them in the eye and a firm handshake, dress properly and articulate speech properly. Amen. Don't be going in there talking about, mm, um, right on. Hey, dog, and you know, you, know you, ought, you ought to articulate. But somewhere in that conversation, you ought to ask the employer, or you ought to state to the employer, here's why I think you need to hire me. Self-confidence. I can bring something to this organization. You got to sell yourself. Are you getting this? And the employer ought to ask you, why should I hire you? And you ought, to, you ought to be able to answer that. Because nobody wants somebody that has no confidence in themselves. If you come up weak to me, you're weak. You know, I play sports. You get on that court and you, yeah, man, come on. Come on now. You know, we talk some smack, Doc. You know, and, 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 the, and the fact of the matter is, you ain't got to be cocky or arrogant, but you got to be confident. You got to be confident. 
then you can't be wish-washy. You can't say one thing one day, come back the next day with something else. People don't want nobody like that. That is unstable thinking. Are y'all getting this? You, you got to show some stability. Are y'all getting this? You know, the fact of the matter is, well, you know, I, they, they said we were in our own sight. Now watch it, as grasshoppers. As we were, perception, in their sight. See, what blew away the, uh, uh, the Philistines was that the Philistines called King Saul and said, bring all your champion men out on the field. And Saul, Saul and them went out on the field, and, and, and Saul had some bad boys with him. I mean, Jonathan, David's best friend, and, 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 and they had some guys out there, you know, and uh, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Benjamin could fight. They were left-handed fighters, and, and uh, they said, is there anybody that can beat our champion, Goliath? Goliath was 9'6", about 450 pounds. He come out and said, who do you have that's going to challenge me? And the Bible says King Saul started going like this, look. Saul was backing up. Everybody started backing up. Nobody went to fool with the giant. And here's this little ruddy shepherd boy named David. David said, I dare you to curse and challenge the people of the living God. And when David stepped up, his own brothers got upset with him. You always showing off. God, Father didn't send you out here to fight. And David said, no, I'll fight him. And David was a little ruddy boy. And Saul said, well, look, let me at least give you my armor. David said, no, I don't want your armor. Your armor doesn't fit me. Your armor won't work for me. Just give me my slingshot and let me get five smooth stones. One stone for Goliath and four for his brothers if they come. Can I get a witness? And David sat there and he, listen to this, he depended on the living God to make that stone go into that giant's head and knock that giant dead. And when you in spiritual warfare, it's not you that's going to win the battle. It's not you that's going to defeat your giants. It's God through you. I can do all things through Christ who keeps on strengthening me. David took that slingshot and whipped. And, and Goliath fell out. David took a sword and chopped his head off. And all Israel went up. And the Philistines ran. And David was the newly appointed, here it is, king. Yeah. Hundreds have followed Saul, but tens of thousands have followed David. There are some crises that will come into our lives that will bring about fear. God has not given us a spirit of fear, timidity, but a power, love of discipline. Keep on living. I was at this board meeting. I'm sitting there with all these vice presidents. I'm a vice president. I'm sitting there, and one of the vice presidents from New York start crying. An older gentleman, great man, isn't it? My oldest son is in prison and it's killing me as a pastor that all I can do is pray for him. Another vice president said, my oldest son just died and my wife was in a terrible car accident and when I pulled up, they were cutting her out of the car, blood everywhere. Then another pastor spoke up. My son too is in jail. So immediately I started praying about my son. Lord help him. Here's people on the front line for Jesus Christ. And they got relatives they love that are in turmoil. I wish I had a witness. But see, that's not the end of the story. That's the beginning of the story. Can I get a witness? Because as you are going, 
as you are ministering, as you are helping the people of God, the Spirit of God loops back around. And he pulls all your family out of trouble. I wish I had a witness. Because God is faithful. Isn't he faithful? He may not come when you want him, but oh, he's right on time. He'll go in a hospital room. He'll change cancer to a cold. Can I get a witness? He'll step in a hospital room and defy the doctor's analysis. He'll, he'll bring, amen, money out of nowhere, goods out of nowhere. Can I get a witness? He's worthy to be praised. Don't talk about my God. Now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless. Now, listen, he'll do far exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you ask or think. For God, Hebrews 6.10, is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love that you have shown towards his name in ministering to his saints. That's why you got to get involved. Can I get a witness? That's why you got to get in ministry. That's why you got to help out. Can I get a witness? Dan and, and Tony and, 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 and Cleve and a whole bunch of others. Every Friday night, they can pay their hair with your children, your youth. But let a need arise in their life. The Spirit of God will not forget your labor of work. I'm preaching up in this place now. Can I get a witness? And nothing from nothing leaves nothing. Do I have a witness? Child of God, my God is faithful. Isn't he faithful? So their perception was, we're like grasshoppers in our sight. Are you with me? All right, I'm, I'm, I'm bringing this one in. But look at verse 30, chapter 13 of Numbers, and Caleb stealed the people. And said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. Are you getting this? Caleb and Joshua. The only two over 40 that went into the promised land. Said, listen, we can do this through him. Forget the walled cities. Forget the problems. Forget, amen, the giants that are in the land. And look, look just metaphorically, you, you and I are going to hit walled cities. We're going to come in contact with giants. Do I have a witness? Giants. And God will give us the victory. If you're looking for a carefree, no problem life, you need to die right now. Because it doesn't exist. I fixed the roof, the car break down. I fixed the car. Come on now, one of my children get in trouble. Do I have a witness? Tr trouble is always in the camp. Trouble will always invade where you are. But Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me, in my Father's house. In other words, Jesus said, I am your solid solution to everything that will afflict you. Do I have a witness? Amen. And, 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 and so, and so, and so when, you, when you begin to look at chapter 14, verse 1 and 2, and, and, and this is the departure, all the people stood up, cried, murmured against Moses and against God. Now, let me stop, pause, pause. I can't. I can't help but to throw this one at you. When God's people are upset with God, they shoot at the pastor. You can get quiet all you want. That's who they shoot at. You know why you shoot at the pastor? Because you can't get to God. It's a psychological thing. Do I have a witness? You ain't got to say amen. Let me, let, me, let me show it to you. Verse 2, and all the children of Israel murmured against who? 
Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said unto them, would God, now, now, now notice the language, we ticked off at God, but we're talking to you. Would God that we had died, why didn't God just let us die in the land of Egypt rather than bring us out and die in the wilderness? And the Bible says God heard it. <laughs> that Pastor Gordon keep talking about the military and a lot of structure, accountability. Amen. And you can't move. You can move. You can move within the walls. Can I get a witness? They, they was telling me this morning, they said, Pastor, there's some people out. I can say this, it's 8 o'clock. There's some people out. They wait to 3 minutes to 8 to stand up and want to give a 30-minute testimony. Now, we start at 8 o'clock. So what should we do? I said, I got it. Now we're going to cut all testimonies off at five minutes to eight. If you stand up and give a testimony, testify for 35 seconds and sit down. We don't need to hear that you was born in Mississippi and moved to Alabama and, <laughs> amen, was raised in California and moved to Chicago and been married five times and your first four wives are dead. We don't need to hear all that. Just talk about what Jesus did for you. Can I get a witness? You, you. You just think you're going to be heard for your much talking. Oh, I'm preaching up in this place. Can I get a, I can synopsize my life into five minutes. I was on my way to hell. I was on my way to hell. I was on my way to hell. Now because of Jesus, I'm on my way to heaven. That's it. I don't have to go through all them particulars. So next Sunday at 8 o'clock, I'll be out here. <laughs> Leave that one alone. Check it out. My people who are called by my name. Look at the third scenario as we close. Bring it down. God's prisoner of fortitude perceives God's development. Turn to Philippians chapter 1. One of the most, it, this is one of the greatest glimpses into a past, present, and future productive life. Paul had it together. Philippians chapter 1. Amen. There's, there, there, this, this is so powerful because Paul, and, and, and the background for all this, this is a prison epistle, Paul was in prison chained to a guard, chained to a guard. Contextually, the background historically is Acts 20 to 28. When the Ephesian elders told him not to go back to Jerusalem, he went back anyway, got locked up. And, 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 and here's what I want you to see in this, this, this great design and how Paul put design, delay, developments, difficulty into one box. He says in verse 12, but I would, you should understand, brethren, I'm talking to Christians, that the things which happened unto me. Now, now we got to stop Paul's apart. And what things? I'm glad you asked. He was locked up. He was beaten 40 times, say he won. He was thrown in a basket out the window. He was shipwrecked. He was abandoned by everybody. In fact, when Paul was getting ready to die, he said, only Luke is with me. Can I get a witness? Paul went to hell and back after going to heaven and back. Are y'all getting this? Paul said, here's my perspective. The things that have happened to me have rather fallen out to the furtherance of the gospel. He didn't look at his circumstances coincidentally. He didn't, he didn't look at them with the mindset of somebody that's just guessing what's going on. He's looking at his life as if there is a divine person ordering every situation. Boy, when y'all when y'all understand providence, you gonna shout. 
I know you think you had something to do with where you are. Doc, Providence says from the time you came out your mother's womb, God had planned out a direction. Oh yeah, we were disobedient, we failed, we faltered, we messed up, but God was able to get us back on track into his providence. Can I get a witness? Paul says, no, 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 this is not coincidental. This is the things that have happened to me have fallen out. And that phrase, fallen out, is, listen, it is a divine design by somebody who has the power to make it happen. And we know that all things are being worked together for the good. Man, when I go over my life, I am mystified. I'm serious. I'm mystified because I know what I was into. I know where I went. I know how I thought. I know what I did. I know what I didn't do. I'm mystified. I spent seven years in the military, and I've been out of the military for 40 years. 40. And guess what? If you were to stop me and ask me, Pastor Gordon, how did you come through all that? And here's my answer. Jesus. Because it was him. When you were out there acting crazy, smoking that wacky weed, drinking that gorilla's oil, when you was out there acting, as my grandma said, cutting the food, when you was out there doing your thing, there was somebody, I'm preaching now, Doc, in the background, there was somebody ordering your steps, there was somebody protecting you, there was somebody surrounding you, there was somebody over you, there was somebody under you, there was somebody with you, there was somebody through you. You weren't even saved. You was going to hell. Can I get a witness? But God, who's rich in mercy. You could have went in the mall yesterday and got shot. Oh, I'm preaching now. Can I get a witness? Child of God, you better wake up and smell a coffee. Every time you get in your car, there's an angel in there. Every time you go home, there's an angel there. Every time you feel like quitting, there's an angel there. Every time you feel like giving up, there's an angel there. Every time Satan comes, God is there. He's worthy to be praised. He keeps pulling us out. Then he pull you out. He keeps turning us around. He keeps putting food in the cupboard. He keeps putting money in our pocket clothes on our back he woke me up early this morning hallelujah the things that have happened to me now let me let me let me streamline this see all the things in my life that I preach and use as illustrations because I'm transparent you know why I'm transparent? It's not something that I decided to do. I'm transparent because I really don't care what you think of me. You didn't save me. You didn't sanctify me. You didn't turn my life around. So I don't give a kitty what you think. Did you fornicate? Yes, I fornicated. Did you get high? Yes, I got high. Did you carry a pistol? Yes, I carried a pistol. I was messed up. I was messed up. I was messed up. I was on my way to a burning hell. But Jesus. Yeah. But Jesus saved my sin sick soul. And Jesus is making me whole. Can I get a witness? Hallelujah. Did you have trouble in your marriage? Yes. Trouble with your kids? Yes. Trouble in your mind? Yes. Trouble in your heart? Yes. Yes to everything. I'm messed up. But I'm not in denial. I'm messed up. And I needed help. I needed somebody to come along and walk with me and talk with me 
and turn me around and plant my feet on a solid ground and put a new song in my mouth even praise here it is and many shall see it and shall praise his holy name you know why God can't get glory out of your life because you won't tell the whole story he can't get the glory because you won't tell the whole story you laid up too you got high too you were blown out of your mind too you were wicked too but you won't give the glory because you won't tell the whole story but if you ever tell the whole story God will get the whole glory talking about (laughs) talking about well I'm ashamed. You weren't ashamed when you did it. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. I'm coming in. It has fallen out to the furtherance uh, uh, of the gospel. Then in verse 19, he says, and I know this will turn out for my deliverance. Oh boy, you well, if you get that, everything I've been through, everything I'm going through, God's going to turn this thing for my deliverance. Can I get a witness? I'm coming in. The final illustration is in Luke 24. Real quick, God's process of faith precedes God's deliverance. Now we're going to synopsize this real quick. Turn to Luke 24, one of my favorite scriptures, post-resurrection. I love this. This is great stuff. Luke 24. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Luke 24. Are you with me? All right, wait on me. Luke 24. Here we go. Post-resurrection, verse 1, first day of the week, Jesus got up. Amen. Mary Magdalene, verse 10, Mary the mother of James. And the other women came to the grave. We understand what happened. But in verse 13, look what it says. And, and behold, two of them, two disciples on their way to Emmaus, amen, which was about eight miles out of Jerusalem. And they talked together about all the things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together in reason, that means argued facts, Jesus himself drew near. And started walking with them. But their eyes were holding. They didn't recognize it was Jesus. Are y'all getting this picture? And so they did not know him. Verse 17, and he said unto them, what manner of communication do these? And essentially Jesus saying, what's all the noise about? And Cleopas, one of the disciples answering said, are thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and not that thou known the things which are come to pass there in these days. And he said unto them, what things? And they said, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. And, 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 and they go on with this conversation not knowing that it was Jesus. Now, Here's what I want you to see, verse 26 to 27, Jesus, uh, uh, excuse me, verse 25, then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart, to believe all that the prophets have spoken, are not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. So here's what Jesus did, verse 27, and beginning at Moses, that is the book of Genesis. Moses wrote the first five books. Beginning at Genesis, All the way to Malachi, prophets, Jesus expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Here we now this 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 is deep. Can you imagine walking up 322 and a stranger just comes beside you? You don't know who he is, and you're going back and forth about what has happened, and he starts expounding. All the scriptures, 
about Christ. So first thing he did was open up the scriptures. The second thing, verse we, we, we coming in 31, he opened up their eyes. Can I get a witness? Are you with me? He, he took bread, broke it, and, and they break. And verse 31, and their eyes were open and they knew him. And he vanished out of their sight. My God. Then he opened up their hearts. Are you getting this? Verse 32. We're coming in now. And they said one to another, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked with us by the way? Thank you, Jesus. If your perception is going to change this morning, you got to walk with Jesus. And then you got to let the word of God be opened up to you. Can I get a witness? You, you, you got to let him open up that word. Then he's got to open up your eyes. See, people think they see, they can't see. Can I get a witness? Yeah. And then he's got to open up your heart. That's what gives you a proper perception. Your perceptions will either advance you or avoid you. Your perceptions will either defeat you or deliver you. Your perceptions will either bring peace or more problems. How you see things. You got to see how you see your pain. Your pain is temporary. Your pain will work out to your profit. You got to see why there's problems in your life. God is the master behind the scenes. You got to understand why God has power invested in your life. Can I get a witness? God wants you to depend on him, not on yourself. God wants you to have a proper perception of everything. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all that dwells therein. And we know that all things are being worked together for the good. So when I think about my perceptions, I think about these four case studies. The first was fear. I have a lot of fears. Abraham feared. He feared his future. The second case study in Numbers was they ignored the fruit and they got caught up in their fragmentation that they were like grasshoppers. We can't be looking at the wrong thing, trying to make wise decisions. You either believe that God is in control or he's not. Can I get a witness? You got to believe that God is working out your good or he's not. You got to believe that God has all power or he does not. Look at Paul. I love Paul. The things that happened unto me. He said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. That's why when they went to caught and cut his head off, there was no major crying session. Paul stood up. The time of my departure has come. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I did what God told me to do. I kept the faith. And now there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness. You got to know that you know that you know that you know that you know. Your perceptions have got to be about him. He's truth. He's power. Listen, he's your When everything else fails, Jesus will never fail. I may not know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Let's stay on our feet this morning. Let's give the Lord a hand clap this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As every head is bowed, 
and every eye's closed. If you're here this morning and you need to be saved, you want to give your life to Jesus so you don't go to hell. He died for your sins, was buried and rose again. Just raise your hand as they won. We invite you to join the church, Jesus Christ, not this church, but ask Christ to come into your life and save you as they won. Our visitors, you want to be saved, just raise your hand as they won. Or perhaps you want to join the church on your Christian experience, raise your hand. Is there one? Is there one? We invite you. Jesus loves you. Died for your sins and buried and rose again. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we continue on in this new year, many of our perceptions are poisonous. Help us to perceive by faith, not fear. Help, Lord God, us to perceive by fruit not our own fractures. Lord God, help us to perceive the great design, as Paul said, amen, the things that have happened to me, that we can plug everything into this box, realizing that there is a designer that's working it out. And then God, give us the faith to believe that as you walk with us, You will open up the scriptures, you will open up our eyes, you will open up our hearts to know you. Bless these thy people with the right, godly, biblical perception. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'm turning to your neighbor and say, neighbor, I think I can see now. God bless you, you are dismissed. See you Wednesday.